You're listening to Decoding Seafood, where we dive into the depths of one of the world's most beloved but misunderstood foods and the industry that drives its production, environmental impact, and cultural norms. Join us as we peel back the layers and speak to the players of the seafood industry, from chefs to scientists, influencers, and everyone in between. This is Decoding Seafood, brought to you by Moe. In the face of the issues facing our planet, it's hard to know what we can do to help protect our world, our livelihoods, our health, and our future. Issues like global warming and overfishing can feel too large and ever-changing to wrap our minds around, let alone feeling empowered to change. In this episode, Nicole Condon, U.S. Program Director of the Marine Stewardship Council, also known as the MSC, breaks down the power that's in your hands to support a sustainable world through the choices you make in the grocery store. Join us as we decode the iconic MSC Blue Label and what it means for your health, values, and planet when you make a choice to buy blue. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for letting me be in this. Really excited to be able to talk with you about MSC and specifically sustainability. Sustainability is something we hear a lot about. Many of us care about it deeply. We want to preserve our world and our natural resources for generations to come. Unfortunately, though, it's also an issue that has many facets. It's hard to know what actions the average person can take to make a tangible difference, Nicole. So for some, sustainability may be a buzzword, but for you, sustainability is literally a part of your mission every single day. It's a lifestyle for you in your role. Can we just start off with this? What does sustainability mean in regards to the ocean? Sure. So there is a lot going on in the ocean, obviously. It's incredibly important to billions of people, not just as a food source, but as a source of jobs and livelihoods and places to live. The ocean protects us. It regulates our climate. It provides a lot. We make a joke, you know, why is it called the earth when it's mostly ocean? So it's it's really important that we look at how we are protecting these resources for the future. I think in terms of the MSC, the thing that is really important to note is that sustainability can be many different things, depending on what you're working on. So it's really important to define what you do and the parameters within which you're working, because they're all really important, but they can be very, very different depending on which angle you're coming from and which part you're working on. So for the MSC specifically, it means ensuring fishing practices are done in an ecologically sustainable way really trying to make sure that fish populations and ocean ecosystem health are taken into account and that management practices are being done in a way that are going to keep these fisheries going for many generations to come. Thank you for clarifying that. I do want to back it up a bit. Are you able to explain to our listeners what the MSC is? So the MSC is an independent nonprofit. It's not a government organization or an industry association. It very much is a multi-stakeholder group that is taking input from scientists, from industry, from governments, from you know everyone along the supply chain, from the fishery all the way to the final point of sale. So it's really trying to get at two things. One is the sustainability of a fishery. So we have a standard that we put out that goes through in detail 
great detail what sustainable fishing practices look like from an environmental and management perspective. The actual assessment of those fisheries are done by third-party auditors. So we set the standard and auditors are the ones that are going in and actually working with the fisheries to measure where they are against the standard. It's completely voluntary and they have the choice to go through it. It can take upwards of 18 months. So it's a very rigorous process. The second part of what we do is we have something called the chain of custody standard. So what that gets at is, again, third-party voluntary audits of companies at every point of the supply chain to make sure that the product that's moving from a fishery to the end consumer can be tracked and that it's not kind of mislabeled or misrepresented along the supply chain. So we're just trying to really make sure that once it gets to the consumer and the consumer sees an MSE logo, what's in the bag or the can or the pet food or the supplement is actually what it says it is and coming from a certified fishery. That is comprehensive. Something I want to talk about and have you explain a bit before we dive a bit more into sustainability, which I'd like to focus our conversation on. Consumers will see different labels on the packages when they're shopping for seafood. Can you break down the differences between the ASC green label and MSC's blue label and what they represent? And do the MSC and ASC work together? Because the labels seem quite similar. Yeah, the MSC and the ASC work very closely together. We kind of call each other our sister organizations, right? And at a very basic level, the difference is the Marine Stewardship Council works with wild-caught seafood. So anything harvested from the ocean, from our lakes, from our rivers, that's what we cover. The Aquaculture Stewardship Council is covering farmed seafood. So there are some things that overlap between us. So we have a joint seaweed standard, for example. We're potentially going to be looking at a few different other ways that we could overlap because, you know, there's wild seeded stuff that could be either ASC or MSC. So there's a lot that we can talk about. There's there's a little bit of overlap there, but we share our chain of custody standard as well. So if you get chain of custody for one, you get chain of custody for the other at the same time, and you're set for selling both from farms and from wild-caught fisheries. So when you're saying chain of custody, a fishery would, that basically is their license to fish that certain species? No. So the fishery standard itself, the fishery certification, is what is kind of an independent verification of the processes that they are doing to be sustainable. Again, it's voluntary. It's not a license to operate. They're already operating. It's just a way to make sure that companies and consumers have a independent verification of all the great practices that they're doing. Okay. Uh, what, what does wild seeded mean? So there are some fisheries who need a little help or, you know, there is just a different way of, of producing a specific species. You know, clams are a really great example. Um, we have some really great East Coast clams as well, but you usually have kind of the young of the specific species, whether it's clams or a kind of fish that are grown in a facility and then kind of spread into the wild in, in either a very controlled way or a controlled part of the environment to then grow out in, in the wild. Same would happen with oysters, correct? In some cases, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's really helpful. I do want to piggyback off of our first talk about sustainability, that first question. We talked about what sustainability means from your lens and how there's a couple different points to, to hit on. What do you see is threatening sustainability in, in, in your line of work? 
in wild fisheries specifically? Or? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are big existential crises like climate change that we just can't really wrap our heads around right now. It's such a long term impact. And no matter how many times you model something, we all know that on the end of it, it could go either way. So I think there's a lot going on right now to make sure that we're nimble and we have some flexibility in the way we're managing fisheries so that we are prepared to adjust as we go along, because we definitely need to make sure that we are managing within kind of the impacts that are going on. Overfishing obviously continues to be an issue, and that's why the Marine Stewardship Council exists. Our mission is to end overfishing. It's a very lofty goal, but I think we're making a lot of really great progress. There is a, you know, I think it's roughly 15 or 16 percent of our global landings right now and the fishery space are already MSC certified. And much, much more are engaged and in the process of moving towards certification. So there's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of positives in this as well. I don't want to be so doom and gloom. No, that's, that's okay. I, I really appreciate that. I think something I'd like to flush out there is we're talking about some looming threats. And thank you for, for leaning into that. I think it's important that on this podcast, we're realists hopeful optimists, but realistic about the challenges we face. Every generation has challenges. And, and thank you for articulating the current one we're dealing with. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because, so we do a really large consumer survey every two years. It's the largest consumer survey of seafood consumers specifically being done to date. And one of the key questions we ask them is, you know, how much has your concern for the health of the oceans changed over the last couple of years? And this is has been rising year over year, and it rose again over the past two years. And we're finding that, you know, maybe it's something to do with pandemic and everybody's actually paying attention to supply chains. It's the first time ever, I think, that supply chains have been so in the news and consumers are so in the know about how their food is getting to them and where it's coming from. And they're asking a lot of really important questions. But on the other side of this, they're also more optimistic that we can actually make a change and that what they do with their wallet and the choices that they make in the grocery store can actually have an impact. So I think we really need to lean into that and really try to tell the story about how consumers can actually influence change. I love it. Yeah, I'm very passionate about that, and, and I really agree. I do want to talk about global warming, some changing and challenging threats. How is your organization adjusting to these emerging potential threats? How, how does that look in terms of being proactive? Yeah, so the MSC goes through a very extensive review process with stakeholders all around the world every five years. So we just released our new fishery standard, version 3.0, that really goes into the latest and greatest in terms of globally recognized science when it comes to fisheries management. So we are constantly evolving and our fishery partners are constantly evolving with us. And it's critical to kind of, the term might be a little bit overreaching, but future-proofing how we're managing our fisheries. We really need to look forward to what changes could happen and make sure that we have a system in place that is adaptable enough to make those changes. It's really important for you know governments and regulators to get involved in this process as well, because a lot of this is going to be kind of 
cross-state, cross-country agreements as we move forward, as fish move. You know, they're going to move further offshore. They're going to move deeper. They're going to move further north and south to colder waters, depending on what habitat they thrive in. And with that moving fish comes some issues about, you know, who has the rights to those fish? Who has the rights to fish those fish? And especially with countries who, you know, potentially a third of their GDP relies on seafood, how do you make up for that if it moves out of their waters? So there's a lot of really critical questions that we have to ask. This is eye-opening. It really, it really is. I, I am. Thank you for opening up this can, as it were. I want to hit on something that I think is really powerful and kind of gets to the heart of why we're doing this. This is really a consumer focus. What do consumers need to know about their power over influencing change? Yeah, I mean, the most important thing is buy seafood, right? So I think there is this kind of misconception that if I don't buy it, then the problem will be fixed. Businesses have that take too sometimes. But the most important thing is to stay engaged because if you don't buy it, someone else will. It's just going to go to a different part of the world. So if you want change to happen, make sure that you're, you know, looking for the MSC or the ASC blue and green labels on your products. That's the easiest way that you can go in and know that you have a verified path to a certified sustainable fishery or a responsible farm. I think the power of your dollar can go a really, really long way. And we just want to make sure that both businesses and consumers stay engaged in the conversation because that's really the only way to influence change. Go to your retailer, ask them what they're doing on sustainability. It doesn't have to be just seafood. It can be across any aisle. The second they know that it's important to you, it becomes important to them. That's very empowering. I think you articulated the approach many people take is not purchasing, but very interesting perspective as you describe the opposite to be able to influence some change. Going back to the topic of sustainability and sustainable fishing, what do you think sustainable fishing looks like in 2023? So in 2023 for us, it's going to be transitioning to kind of continuous improvement towards the new version of our standard. There's going to be a lot of transition period over the next five years to get fisheries up to speed on kind of the new requirements. So, I mean, there are going to be really important things like the term evidence-based requirements. So really trying to make sure that the data is there to support a lot of things, including impacts on bycatch and non-target species and endangered and threatened. Can you break down those three terms? I just think for the listener, like those three different types of fish or types of catches, can you describe what those are? Yeah. So when you're going out fishing, you have what we call a target species, right? So it's the thing that you are going out to catch. Say you want cod. You have a specific gear type, a specific area that you're going out to try to get to that specific species to sell in the market. Bycatch is when you unintentionally catch a different species. So there's a lot of different terminology that can go around this. Different states, different countries have different requirements for what happens with that once you bring it on board. Some require you to throw it over, some require you to keep it. So it's it's a vast kind of array of, of ways of looking at it, but the goal is to reduce bycatch as much as possible, right? Because you're going to have unintentional consequences on the environment with which your you know, target species is living in. ETP, or Endangered, Threatened, and Protected Species, are those species globally who are facing basically extinction. 
So they're on some track towards extinction. This is mostly your shark species, skates and rays, marine mammals, some other really key species of birds. Those are the main ones kind of involved in the ocean in terms of potential interactions with with fisheries. So I think moving forward, we just need to make sure that we are minimizing that risk as much as possible because we want to make sure that those really important species are are kept in our oceans because they're critical for the biodiversity of our oceans and the health of our oceans into the future. And so are there certain practices or best practices that you are looking for this year or in the next couple of years that are kind of the standard that you're passionate about, you're advocating for to see implemented? You know, the nice thing about the MSC standard is actually how flexible it is. We set a target, we set a goal, but how fisheries get there is really up to them. And that's what's driving innovation. You really have to think critically about, okay, if I need to reduce my impact on whatever it is that is in the fishery that needs to be improved upon, they have the ability to innovate and really come up with some creative solutions for how to get there. And that's the most exciting part for me is that we're not coming into this saying, you know, you can't use this gear type, you can't use this method. We're saying this needs to be improved for the health of the oceans. How do we get there? Um, One of the choices people have when they buy seafood is to buy wild caught or farm raised. Uh, What's the difference between wild seafood and and farm seafood? I I don't really know. And I think a lot of our listeners who are maybe considering more seafood, they have no clue as well. Yeah. So I think, you know, the important thing to remember are a couple things. Seafood is the largest globally traded food commodity and it's critical to food security and the future of food for a very, very growing population. Demand for seafood is actually outpacing population growth for humans around the world. So we're at a point where, you know, if fisheries globally become sustainable, you know, in our mind to something along the MSC standards, we have the ability to actually get a little bit more out of our oceans than we do now but not much. So if we want to keep eating seafood and we want to keep feeding seafood to a very growing population, farm seafood is integral to that. There's this misperception that one is better than the other. A lot of consumers have preference over one over the other for a variety of reasons, but the two are going to be really important moving forward. So for us, the most important part of this is make sure that they are done sustainably and responsibly so that the impacts of both wild and farmed are significantly reduced and are both really critical and important sources of protein, really, really healthy protein for people around the world. Wow. Okay. So this is eye-opening for me. So you're representing an organization that focuses on wild caught, but you're emphasizing the importance of, of farm raise that I wasn't e- expecting that to be honest. So it's, that's really, really fascinating. And just, they're really interconnected though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Obviously wild caught seafood is so important. It's, it's one of the last kind of truly global commodities that are caught in the wild. And it's so diverse. You know, you have chicken and beef and pork on the shelves. When you say seafood, seafood means hundreds of species. Truly, truly the most diverse animal protein on the planet. And there is so much great protein in seafood that we need to keep around. We just truly need to keep around from 
a cultural perspective, from you know just a nice to have perspective. It's it's tasty. We all want to keep it around. So it's it's so important to protect. But like I said, we don't want to overfish the ocean to keep that moving. So how are we going to get seafood on people's plates as a really healthy you know source of food moving forward? And the answer is farmed. It's truly the only answer. This is fascinating. It reminds me of an Anthony Bourdain Parts so Unknown episode when he's in Charleston, South Carolina, and he interviews an independent fisher who specializes in catching unique or underfished populations of fish that were seen as maybe second or third kind of tier fish that have really become these unique mainstay fish. And a lot of the high-end restaurants in a a bustling Charleston's food scene, you're talking about overfishing, but what are some unique strategies that these fisheries and, and people within this industry of this kind of last bastion of hunters that go out every day for the, the public to, to eat food, what are some strategies that they could kind of implement? Is, is fishing underfished population groups something that you would recommend? I'm not sure how much underfished populations truly exist anymore. I think, you know, it's kind of changing hearts and minds. When children eat seafood, they're more likely to eat seafood as an adult. And it truly is just trying to open people up to try new things, right? So in the U.S. market, our big three are always salmon, shrimp, tuna, and some whitefish species. So, you know, your your cods, your your haddocks, that kind of thing. It's, you know, the very kind of white bland fish, right? And we're seeing this really interesting uptake in the US market as consumers get a little bit more savvy about the health benefits in anchovies and sardines and herring and the thing that you don't typically see an American eating every day, right? So it's it's been really interesting, but I would just encourage people to try new things. We can't keep eating the same three species over and over and over again. We need to diversify our palate and you know, really, I'm the worst person to say this to. I'm the pickiest seafood eater. It's so bad. <laughs> well, it says something if you're saying that and you're picky. I know, I know. And I'm, tr- I'm trying so hard to try new things myself. Um, it's admirable. But we're seeing some really, really creative ways too. Like, you know, fishermen in their off season doing aquaculture off their boats, whether it's mussels or seaweed or, you know, a lot of really interesting things happening right now that even the fishers are diversifying how how they're coming at this. So a lot of really great things coming down the pipe. Yeah, well said. The difference between wild seafood, farm seafood, as a consumer, what's important to know about each and when and, and how should they be buying from each of those categories? Honestly, the easiest thing to do is to look for the certification label, right? So now you know it's either responsibly farmed or sustainably caught. If it's tasty and you like it and it's, you know, good for the planet, buy it. Beyond that, it's it's so difficult, right? Because we tend to get so detailed and kind of force the consumer to be a supply chain expert to figure out what to buy. <laughs> what gear type did it did it use? What area, what country did it come from? How was it caught? Who was involved? It's a lot of information to try to sift through and and understand impact. And we do the same thing on the farm side. Which farm did it come from? How is it farmed? Where did it come from? So we try to encourage the easiest solution, which is, you know, look for the label. And I know it can seem like such a, a short and easy way to get about it, but it's just trying to understand the robustness that 
truly goes behind those labels and the trust that you can have in those to to know that we've kind of done the work for you. Exactly. And let's jump right into that. What's what's the benefit for a fishery to be getting that MSC eco-label? For a fishery to be certified against the MSC standard, the independent verification of what they're doing is is really important. They say what they do and then they're verified actually by an independent third party against what they're saying they're doing. Self-claims can be a little bit dangerous in these days and times. Consumers really want to know that what they're doing has been checked and checked again. So you're doing that just specifically with Wild Caught. How many people work for your organization? 200. So you have 200 people and where are you based out of? Our headquarters is in London, but we have offices all around the world, and we have expert-level staff in, on the ground in all in all those major countries. So, 200 staff charged with essentially auditing and, and maintaining this high level of standard for wild-caught fisheries well, around so the world. So, we maintain the standard; we don't audit. Okay, so you'd work with groups to to ensure that they're meeting your standard? Yeah, so the the audit process is completely independent from the MSC for a lot of reasons, right? We don't want to bias the outcome of any of this. So we want to make sure that it truly is independent verification that they're meeting the standard, even independent from us too. <laughs> Are these fisheries proactive in, in seeking your eco-label or is it more inbound from from your group to contact them to ensure they're meeting those standards? It's a mix, right? So we have some fisheries who are trying to scream from the rooftop how amazing they are and they want a way to tell that story. And they come to the MSC to figure out how to get certified. We also have, you know, businesses, major retailers or brands that this has become part of their identity. And they want to be able to put more logos on packages for consumers And they're looking at their supply chain and saying, okay, which fisheries need to come on board for us to be able to logo more? And they're going to the fishery saying, we really, really want you to come into the program. So it's this really dynamic push-pull with global fisheries. And I think, you know, one of the biggest benefits to fisheries to come into the program is that network, right? So it is a network of companies all up and down the supply chain from consumer-facing all the way to mid-supply chain, all the way down to the fisheries who are committed. And it opens up markets and it opens up the ability to kind of really get into that integral network of, of very committed companies who have been through a very rigorous process of independent verification. Yeah. Can you maybe help us understand, because obviously it's a podcast, what, what does the label look like if people are listening to this and they want to go out to a store to find a label on some seafood? What does your label look like? So we have a little blue label with the term MSC on it. You'll see some information on the package about what the MSC is and where to look for more information at msc.org. And it's usually always going to be on the front of the package. So as you're scanning the shelves, as you're kind of going down the, the frozen aisle, you should be able to see it right front and center as you're looking for your seafood options. Very helpful. So when someone's in the grocery store, seafood aisle, they see your beautiful blue MSC logo and label. What does that mean that fishery is actually doing to receive that? At a very basic level, it, it means that the fish is from a very healthy population, that they are reducing and minimizing their impact on the surrounding environment and the ecosystem that that fish came from, and that the fishery and everyone involved in the management of that fishery are following a really rigorous set of standards. 
Yeah, that'd be really refreshing to to know that that that's what that that label means for that that product. What are some unique ways? I, I love to get your insight on this. You kind of hinted at it. What are some unique ways that shoppers can help protect ocean health through purchasing or through their purchases? Again, it's, you know, continue to buy seafood, ask the questions, right? So if you're going up to your fish counter, if you're going to the store, if you have a favorite online provider of seafood, make sure you're asking them what they're doing for sustainability. Again, it can be more than just seafood. There are so many things that we're working on globally just to make sure that we have sustainable food production for our future. Like I said, if they know you care, then they care. And that impact really does trickle all the way down to the fishery, to the farm, and even into governments. So, I mean, businesses and governments have a huge role to play in the future of our food and how it's managed and how it's done either responsibly or not responsibly. And you as a consumer really do have the power to influence change through your purchases. Yeah, thank you for that insight. Kind of a final question I have that's tied to that. Is there any kind of last things that you'd like our listeners, uh, consumers to know? Any kind of empowering statements from your side of the fence to, to remind people about? I think just on a personal note, I know it's so hard, right? When we're calling a group of people consumers, you're so much more than your money. Absolutely. If you're listening, you are. You're worth, you're worth more than that title. The individual matters, right? Seafood is such a personal thing. When you bring it into your home, it is the backbone of so many cultures around the world. It's important to the health of your family. There's so many like really great attributes. You know, it can be seen as kind of like the special thing to cook. We're, we're hoping that it becomes the normal, regular thing to cook. But I just want to make sure that everyone knows that we're doing this for you as the individual as well, and not just to get money out of you. There's so much importance behind what we're trying to do. And it truly is for the people who are both relying on this for their jobs and their livelihoods, but also just as a really tasty food option that we want to keep on your plates. Nicole, you're a breath of fresh air. If I could say like a, you know, from summer representing like a higher level within the industry, I can tell you actually do care. This means something to you. You've been really real and open. You've been very just intentional about how you're speaking about this. And I can tell it, it's a way of life. And this isn't just a job for you. Uh, you want to be able to impact the world. It, it's it's very noticeable. And I, I really hope listeners can, can sense that as this conversation comes to a close. Nicole, thank you so much for the time. It really has been a joy to chat with you and to, to learn more about your passion and, and why you're involved with the advocacy at MSC. Thank you for your work. I really mean that. If our listeners want to learn more about MSC, where should they go? They can go to our website at msc.org. There is more information than you probably want there. And they can find us on a variety of social channels under the, the tag at MSC Bluefish. Amazing. Thank you. We'll link that in the show notes below. Thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Decoding Seafood. Please subscribe, rate and review on your podcast platform of choice and share this podcast with someone you think would like to start decoding seafood as well. Decoding Seafood is brought to you by Moe, hosted by Keaton Robbins, produced by Tim and Tanya Fraser of Murdoch Entertainment, and recorded and edited by Jordan Moore of The Pod Cabin. Executive producer, Rotter Creative Group, with special thanks to our community of contributors and those that follow us.